It's time for this week's edition of the Virtual Bible Study. The Virtual Bible Study is a live, internet-only, call-in program dedicated to the honest study and discussion of God's Word. Do you have a question about something in the Bible? Or are you simply interested in learning more about the Scriptures? If so, we hope you'll stay tuned tonight as we look into the pages of God's Word. The Virtual Bible Study is brought to you this time each week by the College View Church of Christ in Columbia, Tennessee. You can participate in the discussion tonight by calling 93 Three one three eight one four five six seven, or by emailing your questions or comments from collegeview.com. We hope you'll take out your Bibles and study along with us as we begin an exciting study of God's Word on this edition of the Virtual Bible Study. We welcome you to the Virtual Bible Study for Thursday, July second, two thousand and fifteen. Thank you for being with us tonight. My name is Jacob Gwynn. My father, Greg Gwynn, is here. Hello, Dad. Jacob, great to be with you tonight. Good to be with you as well. Got a special guest behind the controls tonight. My father-in-law, Nick, from. Jennings, Florida is here. Nick, uh, welcome to the program. Thanks for having me here. Look forward to hearing from you tonight. We're expecting you to join in here, Nick, and give us a lot of help on this. Yeah, looking forward to that. And uh, looking forward to your comments as well at 877-381-4567. Email questions at collegeview.com. Sign in the chat room to your bottom of your video window if you're watching us live tonight. A majority of people are not watching us live you're probably catching this in the podcast or recorded version, and so you we, you can still comment anytime, questions at collegeview.com. And better yet, if you have a suggestion for a future edition of the Virtual Bible Study or you have a question you'd like to be have addressed on this program, send that to questions at collegeview.com. We welcome those at any time. And maybe you disagree with something you've heard. We would like to hear from you as well. Questions at collegeview.com. Jacob, before we get to our topic for study tonight, we want to remind everybody that we're now just about two weeks away from, uh, just a little over two weeks away from our community Bible study here in Columbia, Tennessee. And so for everybody who's anywhere close to Columbia, Tennessee, we want to encourage you to try to make Monday and Tuesday night, the 20th and 21st of July, uh, make a point to try to get here. We're going to, we're going to have our, We've done this for several years. We we go to a neutral site. Where, uh, last year we used, and this year we will be using a building near downtown Columbia called the Memorial Building. Everybody around here knows where it is. It's easy to find. Uh, just a couple blocks west of the square in downtown Columbia is the Memorial Building, and we'll use that venue and invite our community to come together for Bible study. This year our theme is the Christian and his response to Islam. Okay. Bob Buchanan from Bowling Green, Kentucky, is going to be here to bring the lessons both night. It'll be a lesson and then a question and answer period. Uh, Bob uh, is knowledgeable on this subject. He's traveled extensively in Malaysia and Indonesia, which are both Muslim countries, and and he has studied and worked with uh, uh, Muslims and and those who've been converted to Christianity from Islam. And so uh, he, he's knowledgeable on this subject. I think he'll. He'll have some really interesting things to say. It should be a good session. Monday and Tuesday night, July 20th and 21st in Columbia, Tennessee. If you can, if you're within driving distance, come. Now, we don't want to discourage everybody from coming, but if you're too far away to come, uh, we will, we will put these, uh, the audio and hopefully the video on our website shortly after the event closes. All right. So check that out. Find out more information at our website, thevirtualbiblestudy.com. Make plans July 20th, 21st. Columbia, Tennessee, the Memorial Building. What, what, what do you think? Uh, 200 miles away? It's worth your drive. 
250. We'll let everybody make their own decision yeah, on that. But think about it. Yeah. But it, it, it will be a good session. Last year, we just had an overwhelming response at the Memorial Building. Yeah. Uh, we talked about homosexuality last uh, mm-hmm. year. Of course, that's a really current hot button topic. Yeah. Uh, Kevin Clark from Birmingham, Alabama, an attorney from Birmingham, brought our lessons last year and did just a wonderful job. And that information, by the way, is still available on our website if anybody would care to look at that. Well worth your time to watch that, and uh, we'll look forward to this year's as well. All right, on to an important topic tonight, uh, a topic that is relevant as well. We want to talk about denominationalism tonight. Mm -hmm. Now, this is a theme that we have touched on in, in past episodes of Virtual Bible Study. By the way, coming up on our... Tenth year anniversary. We're almost a complete ten full years of this the month. virtual Bible study this month yeah. the, near the end of July, uh, and so uh, that means that there are over five hundred episodes of the virtual Bible study. Five hundred hours. All yeah, five hundred. All of the audio for those programs is still on our website. Uh, of course, initially it was just audio. We didn't do a video production uh, in the early t- years of the virtual Bible study. We have lost over time some of the video archives be- just because of the way they were archived mm-hmm. uh, at off-site locations, and and so those are not all available. But all of the audio is, and I think it actually serves as a fairly good resource for if you for you if you're studying some topic. We probably have touched on it at least uh, on the virtual Bible study, and so if you do a search on our uh, audio archive page, you might find a. a an episode there that might help you if you're studying some subject. Okay. All right. Uh, so check that out. Uh, but tonight years, we want to touch, we want to talk about one that we have touched on before, but I, th- I think it's so important for us to deal with the question of denominationalism. Yeah. People in the modern religious world think that denominationalism is the norm. It's the way it's supposed to be. I mean, and, and to suggest that the way we are in the religious world, all divided up, doing different things. Yeah. If we suggest, you know, that's really not right, people look at us like we've got a third eye. I mean, yeah. What do you mean? Of course, it's always been that way, hasn't it? Yeah. And so we want to talk about that tonight. Yeah. What about denominationalism? Let us know your thoughts. I uh, look forward to hearing from you. Again, sign in the chat room. And a big shout-out to Josh and Kristen on vacation. Oh, wow. In Florence, Kentucky signed in the chat room tonight. Appreciate right. them uh, listening right. to us up there. Way to go, Josh and Kristen. Um, by the way, Kristen, get on that roller coaster now. It'll be a lot of fun. Um about denominationalism, mm-hmm. um, this is this is this was a new number to me. You know, Nick, I don't know if you can remember when back when we first started preaching years ago, they used to say something like there were twelve hundred denominations in the United States. You ever remember that number? I do. Yeah, I just I, I got a little blurb off of Wikipedia here, and I don't think Wikipedia is the arbiter of all things true and accurate necessarily. <laughs> no, but, but Wikipedia is now saying there are thirty eight thousand distinguished uh, distinguishable Religious denominations. Does that the mean the States? denominations are growing faster? You've just been preaching a long time, uh, or both? Both, both <laughs> but it just it just means that the divided state of things is yeah, getting worse and worse. Yeah, thirty-eight thousand different religious deno- Christian denominations uh, in uh, the world today. So uh, that that's pretty significant. I think you'd have to agree. Unbelievable. It, Very now again. We want to point out that we don't think that that's the way God wants things, that, that that is not a situation that is according to God's plan or his will, that he's not pleased with it when it's like that. Okay, what do you think? 
uh, let us know about the denominational. Some people, a majority of people think it's okay. There's nothing wrong with it. Maybe you're in that crowd tonight. Sign in the chat room. A lot of folks say, well, you know, well, we're trying to talk about some of those those answers to denominational ideas. But uh, some people say, you know, we're just all one big happy family. Is that true? Is it okay with God? Yeah. Here's what we sent out to our update list earlier today. As we always remind you, get on our update list if you're not. Send us an email to questions at collegeview.com, and we'll send you on Thursday midday what our topic is going to be that night. And today to our update list, we sent out this idea that we wanted to talk about denominationalism and ask these questions for discussion. Number one, God's word predicted division among his disciples. In other words, the idea that Christians became divided was not it didn't blindside God. I mean, in the inspired word, there was predictions that it would happen. Uh, but in in the course of making those predictions, the inspired writers show us what God would think about it when it happened. So it, we want to talk about yeah, that. Yeah, and it's not a, it was it was predicted, and it's not just some kind of twenty first century plight that has happened all of a sudden. It's been going on ever since the first century. Yeah, yeah. So okay. All right, number two, what's wrong with the view of denominationalism that says today's denominations are just different branches but all in the same tree, okay. or they're just different pieces of the same pie, mm-hmm. or they're just different roads or routes to the same destination? Heaven, of course. Being yeah, right, right. What, uh, we think those are bad analogies. A lot of people are using those to justify yeah. the denominations. It's not, yeah. it's, there's nothing wrong with it. Yeah, you, you so... What's yep. wrong with what, what's wrong with those pictures yep. or those, those illustrations? Right. Number three, is it possible to prove that the New Testament, number one, teaches uniformity of belief and practice, that the New Testament condemns division, and that the New Testament says that division is actually contrary to the will of God? Can, okay. we, can we prove that? Yes. That, okay. and that, I think that's the heart of the matter. That's what we well, that's, really want. That is it. Yep. Number four, how does the seed principle prove that denominationalism is wrong? All right, you're going to have to break that down for me. I okay. think I'm picking up what you're putting down there, but okay, we'll uh, get, you're we'll, going to we'll have to that. define okay. that. Okay, I, th- I think some of our listeners know what we mean by the seed principle. We'll talk about that. Number five, how does the essential nature of truth prove that denominationalism is wrong? Okay, again, I think I know what you're saying there, but you'll need to clarify that. And then finally, can you prove that there's really only one true church? All right. That that. that probably might be the most inflammatory thing we'll talk about when we talk about there really is just one true church. Can you, that be proved? I think it can be. close-minded bigot would be what some people will say. Does it do the scriptures uh, sh- prove and show that there's just one true church? We'll get to those questions on the program tonight with your help at 877-381-4567 or send your comments in the chat room tonight. All right. Before we get to our first break here, let's deal with this first question. Uh, there were there were predictions mm-hmm. that there would be division among okay. disciples, right? But in the course of making those predictions, we think God's word showed how He would view it when it did unfortunately happen. Uh, I got a couple passages in mind here. First Timothy four, beginning verse one. First Timothy four, verse one. Now the Spirit expressly says that in the latter times some will depart from the faith, giving heed to deceiving spirits and doctrines of demons, speaking lies and hypocrisies, having their own conscience seared with a hot iron, forbidding to marry and commanding to abstain from foods which God created to be received with thanksgiving by those who believe and know the truth. So notice a number of doctrinal issues were going to start creeping in. And, uh, but it, it is said that those who would do that would be departing from the faith. Yep. 
And they would be giving heed to seducing spirits, doctrines of demons, speaking lies, and so forth. So did people come along and start teaching different stuff? Yeah. And the, the Word of God says they were departing from the faith when they did that. All right. You know, and, and you, know, you might think, oh, well, that must, that must involve something like worshiping idols or, you know, doing maybe making infant sacrifices yep. to idols. No. Yep. He mentioned some of the things that he had in mind there, uh, including the forbidding to marry, commanding to abstain from certain foods. Well, there are there are denominations that do that today, yeah, and that's departing from the faith. And 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 the Lord said that's departing from the faith. So, uh, is it okay for us to have these different denominations that are teaching things that are contrary to the will of oh, God? Oh, well, they just they just say that there's some people who should that can't marry, or they just say that there's certain kinds of food you should. Oh, eat. but they still believe in Jesus. Yeah, that's not a big deal, is yeah. it? No, we're all brothers and sisters. Well, it is a big deal apparently from when you read that passage, yeah. First Timothy four one through three. All right, you've got a probably you probably have on your list Acts chapter twenty. Yeah. All right. Go ahead. I don't want to steal your thunder. No, no, go with it. Uh, but Paul here is warning uh, the elders here in uh, Acts chapter 20, verse 25. For I know this, that after my departure, savage wolves will come in among you, not sparing the flock. Notice this, verse 30 of Acts 20. And also from among yourselves, men will rise up, speaking perverse things, to draw away disciples after themselves. And so there were going to be elders who were going to rise up and try and divide the believers. Exactly right. And so... Again, that, those were the two verses now, that I had in mind. In both of them, you see that when it happened, God wasn't going to be happy with it. And he didn't say that these well, these guys are just, you know, they're just a little bit off. He says they're savage wolves. And they're, they're, they're not going to spare the flock. This is, a, this is a life or death kind of thing, this, this dividing up. Yeah. And God's not pleased with it. Exactly right. All right. So that, that's a starting place. Again, I, I would just reemphasize that. God knew it was going to happen, but he, wasn't, he, but he knew he wouldn't be pleased with it when it did happen, and, and that's embedded in the inspired word. We can see that. And so, you know, right up front, we need to make the point, denominationalism is a problem. It's not to be taken for granted as, as an okay sort of thing. You know, the very word denominationalism, the word means division. I always have used the illustration back in grade school when we studied fractions, you know, the top part of the fraction was the numerator. Yeah. The bottom part of the fraction was the denominator. Yeah. Deno- and it's that bottom part of a fraction that does the dividing mathematically. Denomination, a denomination is a division. Yeah. And so when we say that we're in favor of denominationalism or that, we, that we're happy with denominationalism, we're saying we're happy with division yeah. by definition and God's not. All right. Let us know your thoughts. We'll take a break, and when we get back, we want to hear from you, 877-381-4567. Now, when we get back, we'll talk about some of those justifications. Because, folks, look at the religious scene today, 38,000 denominations. There are folks who say, that's all right. You do what you want to do. I'll do what I want to do. It's okay. We're just different branches on the tree. Is that acceptable? What's wrong with those justifications? We'll get your thoughts on the other side. Don't go anywhere. The first Bible study continues right after this. You won't want to miss what we talk about next. The discussion continues right after these important messages. This is Monty Overton, a member of the College View Church of Christ. Thanks for listening to the virtual Bible study. We appreciate your interest in the Bible. It is, after all, God's message to us. We thought you might be encouraged by a poem written by A.Z. Conrad entitled, The Bible Stands. It goes like this. Century follows century, there it stands. Empires rise and fall and are forgotten, there it stands. Dynasty succeeds dynasty. There it stands. 
Kings are crowned and uncrowned. There it stands. Emperors decree its extermination. There it stands. Atheists rail against it. There it stands. Agnostics smile cynically. There it stands. Profane, prayerless punsters caricature it. There it stands. Unbelief abandons it. There it stands. Higher critics deny its claimed inspiration. There it stands. The flames are kindled against it. There it stands. The tooth of time gnaws but makes no dent in it. There it stands. Infidels predict its abandonment. There it stands. Modernism tries to explain it away. There it stands. Here's some quotes worth pondering. People who say the Bible isn't relevant today obviously don't know the author. The standard for truth is not the majority or an elite consensus, but it is the Word of God. Great potentates have raged against the Bible and sought to destroy it. The princes of Egypt and Babylon, the monarchs of Persia and Greece, the Roman emperors. They are all gone and vanished, but the Bible still remains. Man, wish I'd said that. A streaming Bible study. Why didn't I think of that? Now back to the guys. And we're back on the program as we talk about denominationalism and uh, what the scriptures teach about it. Is is it acceptable or does God have a different idea? Let us know your thoughts. look forward to hearing from you. When we sent out these questions to our update list, I got a response from our friend Chris in the U.K. And um, when we said, what predictions... What did predictions of division indicate about God's view of such division? And I'm not sure I follow exactly what Chris had in mind, but he listed several passages. Mark 9:34, asking who is the the greatest. Pride, basically. In other words, when among the disciples they were asking who was the greatest. Pride causes division. Acts 6, verse 1, ethnic tension can cause division. Philippians 4, 2, personal disagreements can cause division. Acts 15, verse 37, family nepotism can cause division. Uh, Romans 16, 17, heresies and dissensions of doctrines. Jude 19, those who without the Spirit cause natural divisions. 1 Corinthians 1, 12, following after men. So he, he suggests several things. I, I, see, I see what he's doing there. He's got seven passages where he, he mentions specific things that could uh, cause division, uh, and all of them wrong, by yeah. the way. All right. Okay. All right. So let's go to, the, to our second question. What's wrong with the view of denominational? These are analogies, Jacob, that I've heard forever, uh, especially this first one, and, yeah. and well, really all of them, but this first one. Denomination is not a big deal. Uh, you should, don't get so tore up about it, because what, really what we are is we're just different branches on the same tree. And usually when people bring that up, they want to go to John 15 and talk where, where Jesus talked about the, the vine and the branches. And they say, well, he's, Jesus even described it there. He's the vine and we're just the different branches. He's the vine and these different denominations are just the branches off of that vine. Right. Um, but, of course, that's a, uh, a perversion of the text um, because that's not what John 15 is talking about. It's a misinterpretation. Jesus said, John 15, beginning of verse 5, I am the vine, ye are the branches. He that abideth in me. He's, he's talking about individuals. He's not talking about groups or denominations. He's the vine, and we as individual Christians or disciples are the branches off of that yeah. vine. Yeah. I am the vine, ye are the branches. He that abideth in me and I in him, the same bringeth forth much fruit, for without me ye can do nothing. If a man... Abide not in me. He is cast forth as a branch and is withered. And men gather them and cast them into the fire and they are burned. If ye abide in me and my words abide in you, you shall ask what you will and it shall be done to you. 
clearly in the context, Jesus was talking about the relationship of individual Christians or yeah. disciples to yeah. him as the vine. He's the vine. We as individuals are branches, not groups, not denominations, yeah, not yeah. religious organizations, but individuals. So that picture of a tree would or a vine with different branches. Now, here, here's here's the trunk of the tree, and then you've got Presbyterians going out that way, and Episcopalians going that way, and Methodists going that way, and Baptists going that way, and Church of Christ is just one of them. It's just a branch over here on this side. That, that's, that's just a, a, that's an inaccurate picture, and it's it's not. It, it wouldn't even be it wouldn't even be reasonable in the real world if it you means had like a mutant tree. Yeah, you had you got a, you got this tree, and one one branch shooting out of it is oak, and this other one is cherry, and over here is apple. You know, you wouldn't have a tree like that. In fact, you can't grow a tree like that. All right, doesn't work. All right, that, that imagery doesn't work. That's not a good justification. Jesus is obviously not saying that uh, we can have people doing different things and all being part of the same tree in John chapter 5, verses 5 through 7. All right. All right, now there's another one that you sometimes, another analogy that you sometimes hear people use, and that is that we're all just different pieces of the same pie. Mm, did you hear about that, Nick? Pie. His ears perked up when you said pie. <laughs> Uh, uh, and so, you know, you know, here, here's this pie, and it's divided up in, in segments, like we cut a pie, you know, yeah. a piece of pie, yeah. and one is Presbyterian, one's Lutheran, one's Methodist, one's Baptist, one's Nazarene, one's Pentecostal. They're, they're just different people. But you start to think about that. It, it, again, I can't find any similar description of that in the Scriptures, but even from a common sense point of view, I, I would challenge any of our good cooks to be able to cook a pie like never that. seen one like that uh, a pie a piece of a pie is like the whole of mm-hmm. the pie mm-hmm. you know you never see a pie that's got every slice is a entirely different kind of pie yeah. it wouldn't be possible to do it yeah. and and so if you want to talk about pieces of the pie pieces of a pie all have the same characteristics of the pie as a whole yeah and and so really the, the analogy fails and actually Proves the opposite of what they'd like to prove. All right. Let us know. What do you think? This chat room is quiet tonight. Maybe we've got some dissenting views in the chat room. We'd like to hear from Jump you. Jump in there and tell us what you think. Jump in. Let us know uh, your thoughts. Now, here's another one, Jacob. Now, this one I, you hear maybe more often than the others. Either, yeah, it's either that first one, branches on the same tree, or this one, different routes to the same destination. Yeah. You know, And I've, I've heard people describe it, you know, try to get real emphatic about it, you know. Here we are in Columbia, Tennessee. I don't know if everybody who's listening to us knows our geographical location in the state of Tennessee. We're in Middle Tennessee. We're about 45 minutes straight south of Nashville right. in the middle of the state. Now, let's say I want to go to Nashville. Mm-hmm. There's several different roads I can use to get to Nashville. Yeah, right. Uh, some of them are better than others. Yeah. Some of them will get me there faster yeah. or easier. Yeah. But there's a whole lot of different routes, and they all end up at the same place. Right. And so if you're not particularly interested in speed or distance, you might take the scenic route. I take the scenic route. One's as good as another. You know, yeah. sometimes I don't like to get on the interstate. You know, yeah. sometimes I like to take a more scenic route. Yeah. And they're all going the same place. Yeah. And that's really the way it is in the religious world. They say, they say going to heaven is like that. There's different, just different roads to take. You can, there's, there's, there's several different routes you can take. And, uh, one might, be a little more pleasing than another, but in the end, they all end up at the same place, and so no big deal. Yeah. 
different roads to the same place, different routes to the same destination. Now, that might work if I could find a description of that in the New Testament. But in, in other, but actually what we find is Jesus describing these ways to heaven in the singular, as in there's just one. Yeah. Jesus himself, of course, most famous for saying in John 14, verse 6, I am the, the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh to the Father but my, by me. Jesus said he was the singular way to the Father. Uh, so he, Jesus didn't say, you know, there's lots of ways to the Father, and you can go any way you want. Jesus spoke of a way, a singular way. And then uh, the Apostle Paul, uh, when he was on, on trial in Acts 24, verse 14, he says, This I confess unto thee, that after the way, which they call heresy, so worship I the God of my fathers. There yep. weren't several different ways. There was the way. Yep. Paul was was a participant in. He was a, he was a follower of Christ. He was in the way uh, that that they were persecuting. There, there. Of course, you know, I think all religious scholars and especially church historians would quickly agree when we say that. Disciples were united in the early days of Christianity. Mm-hmm. They were all doing the same thing, practicing the same thing, teaching the same thing. There was not religious division initially. Now, it, it crept in pretty fast, but it was not there initially. And the idea that there's just different ways to go to the Father is wrong. All right. Let us know your thoughts. Look forward to hearing from you on the program. Now, we're going to get into some of this, but just on the surface. We were going to get into the New Testament arguments that condemn Vision. But let's just say that it, we're all on different roads leading to the same place. Now, that's become more apparent with this homosexual marriage movement, homosexuality, same-sex marriage. Same sex marriage. You heard today that the Episcopal Church has now said that they're going to be conducting same-sex marriages. They're not the first. I mean, they're the first, but they won't be the last. Yeah. The, the re, or, religious organizations are going to start. They'll start falling like dominoes the way the acceptance of homosexuality did. Now, is it true that the Episcopal Church, those the Episcopalians, are on the same road as everyone else? I mean, they're going to the same destination? Okay, will, will, okay, that's a good illustration. Will, 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 okay, if, if you think that's true, is it, are the Episcopalians headed to the same destination that you are? Nick, what do you think? Are they, are they on the same road as we're on? If well, no, they're, they're on a different road, but are they going to the oh, same see, destination? That's what I mean. Yeah. They, they acknowledge they're on a different road, but really just doing just getting there a different way. Yeah, their concept is that they're they think they're on the same road simply because they're believers in Christ rather than Muhammad or, or some some other uh, deity. Yeah. Uh, so, but by their doctrines is is where the rubber beats the road. I well, think that's right. right. But so you got to you need you got to make a decision here. If if it's acceptable to have divisions and say we're all on different roads leading to the same place, and the Episcopalians are okay in that. Yeah. Uh, the uh, the press. You, know you know what's interesting, Jacob, along this line, is that almost everybody says, "No, I can't go along with right. that." You know, everybody there's draws line. the line somewhere. Right now, I would guess that there's a number of people tonight who are saying, "I think the Episcopalians are way out in left field yeah. on that conducting same-sex yeah. marriage." I don't go along with that. Yeah. I can't. I can't endorse the Episcopal Church. Yep. Yeah. Or a lot of people say, "I." 
I can't endorse the Mormons or I can't endorse the Jehovah's Witness. I don't like the Jehovah's Witness. Or I, the, I just can't go along with that, what they're doing. I, the Westboro Baptist Church. Oh, that Westboro Baptist. Oh, that's just too far out for me. Yeah. Or, so what, what about, you know, what they're saying is they draw a line right, somewhere. Right. Well, where are you going to draw that line? Right. Who gets to say, no, that's too much? Is it just what makes you comfortable? I mean, is it just what you can swallow and stomach, and uh, that's where you draw the line, or is there some other standard? Yeah. For instance, I can go along with uh, them baptizing infants, even though the Scriptures don't teach that. I don't think it's right, but I can go along with that. But I can't go along with the guy who's saying that homosexual marriage is okay. Yeah. Where are you drawing the line? It becomes rather arbitrary as to what I like and don't like or what I can stomach and can't stomach when the actual standard has to be something more absolute than that. And that absolute standard is the word of God. And we've got to go back to that. That's really the only solution to this divided religious world that we live in. Now, we've been saying that for a long time. I'm not saying that that's going to be that, that I'm not saying that that's going to be achievable. But what I am saying is it's the only It's answer. the only way. It is, in theory, achievable. And if we're yeah. willing to abide by an absolute standard, then we can be perfectly unified. There will be no divisions. We can do what the Scriptures teach us. We'll get to in just a minute. But that's right. That's the, And that's the only way. Yeah. We're not going to do it. We're not going to get to uh, be unified and, and get rid of denominations by following different creeds. We're not going to do it by following different man-made organizations like the Episcopal Church that gets together and votes. How do they determine if same-sex marriage is okay? They took a vote. Yeah. Where, where in the world do we ever read about that in the scriptures? Uh, the what, if they, you know, what, what if they took a vote? We're going to take a vote, and we're going to vote on whether we think black is orange. We're going to, and, and or, if we, if we, if if we agree, then we're going to start saying. Black is orange. You can't change basic truths by taking a vote on them. We're going to talk. We're, we're, we don't know about murder. We're getting together. We're going to vote on murder. Yeah. And it was an overwhelming, unanimous decision. Murder's okay now. Yeah. Well, uh, unfortunately, we, some of them would do that in, with, the, with the abortion issue. Well, I mean, it, it, that's, and that's where you get to the, this, uh, the, the religious landscape that we have today. Yeah. Is everyone's in, in the chat room, Josh says, all the different denominations teach many different doctrines, but being a follower of Christ means that we follow his doctrine. He has only one, Second John, verse 9. And I think that's exactly right. But, Doug says there's only one map, his word, following it, not deviating from that map. I think that's exactly right. Yeah. The idea that there are different routes to the destination of heaven is not true. Yeah. It is, it's, that's, and so we're up against a break, but we, we would just conclude that segment of our discussion by saying those analogies, although common, are really completely wrong. All right. When we get back, what does the New Testament say about, uh, well, real quick here, here's yeah. what Chris said about this. Yeah. Branches of the tree. Uh, those branches are all oak or, or ash. There, there's no mahogany or other pine, and 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 yet another birch. In other words, if we're branches, we're all the same. We're supposed to be all the same. I think that's right. Yeah. What about pieces of the same pie? He says, let me change it to pizza. Unless it's a Four Seasons pizza, there aren't in, uh, aren't the ingredients the same from center to crust? Each piece would follow the same recipe. I think that's right. Four Seasons Pizza. Must I guess that's be what they UK have that, they, in England. Phenomenon. They must call a they must call a mixed up pizza Four Seasons. There you go. Uh, and he said, "What about different routes to the same destination?" Uh, Jesus said, "I am the way." There seems to be only one. 
All right. Thank you for that, Chris. We appreciate your comments. And in the chat room, uh, Josh says again, if any religious way could be acceptable, then the Bible wasted quite a bit of space teaching against false teachers. And really it did. I think I and that's right. what a lot of folks today would say is that it doesn't matter what you believe. There, In other words, there's no false teacher. Yeah. There's nothing that's false, and you can do whatever you want. We'll take yeah. a break, get this week's bullet point. When we get back, what does the New Testament teach us about division? Is it possible to prove that the New Testament does condemn the denominational scene that we see in the world today? We'll get a break and get your thoughts on the other side. Don't go anywhere. The Virtual Bible Study will continue right after this. Are you listening? There's going to be a test on this stuff. Stay tuned. The Virtual Bible Study will be right back after this. This is Greg Gwen with this week's bullet point. You won't believe my latest invention. I call it the internal combustion engine. I'm very excited about all the possible applications of this unique discovery of mine. What? You mean someone already thought of that before me? Oh, well, I'll just pursue some other new thing. Everybody would regard a person making a claim like that as a true fanatic. How could anyone possibly imagine to have invented something that's been around for 150 years or more? And it's known and used throughout the world. We would view that fellow with extreme suspicion and caution. Sadly, religious discussions tend to attract this sort of outrageous claim. Frequently, we talk to people who suggest that they've come up with something in the Bible that no one ever thought of before. Really? This ancient book has been around for thousands of years, and you want us to believe that you've discovered a truth that no one else ever found? Not likely. The Apostle Paul dealt with some folks who spent their time in nothing else but either to tell or to hear some new thing, Acts 17, verse 21. The problem was, of course, that when he confronted them with the truth, they mocked him and discounted his message. The same danger exists today for those who are always looking for, quote, some new thing. Many highly intelligent people have devoted their whole lives to the study of God's Word. Their written discourses are preserved for us to read and research. Within our own lifetimes, we've been surrounded by faithful brethren who have diligently applied themselves to the Scriptures. Now, of course, they're not the absolute standard of what's true and right, but we should not quickly discount their scholarship in favor of our own latter-day discoveries. That's this week's bullet point. Think about it. My name is Alex Dvorak, reminding you to listen to the Virtual Bible Study every Thursday night at 8 o'clock Central Time. Share your comment with the world. Call in now and be a part of the Virtual Bible Study. Now, back to the program. We're back on the program tonight, and you know this program is brought to you by the College U Church of Christ. We don't have to remind you of that, but we do need to remind you to check out our website for information on the upcoming Community Bible Study, July 20th and 21st, 2015. It's on our website, thevirtualbiblestudy.com. We encourage you to check it out there, and we encourage you to contact us with questions, questions at collegeview.com. All right. Um, as we continue to talk about denominationalism, uh, the next question we asked was, is it possible to prove that the New Testament, first of all, teaches uniformity of belief and practice? That's, that's what the New Testament teaches, and that's what we ought to be striving for. Now, uh, again, I'm saying... It's what we ought to be striving for. You know, somebody somebody might quibble with us and say, "Well, you've got among churches of Christ, you've got differences." We're not we're not denying that, but that's not our intention. Our, uh, you know, we're not saying it's okay because we do it. If we're saying that we ought to be striving for uniformity of belief and practice. Uh, because that's what the New Testament teaches us to do. Yeah. No, no, you, you you can you could. And I think uh, in in one of uh, the responses we got, um, uh, I 
Well, let's see. I think Chris sent in a separate response, and he says, uh, "Well, that's not the one I was thinking of either." We'll see it. We'll see it here in a minute. But but anyway, sometimes we're when we try to make this point against denominationalism, it's thrown up to us. Well, not all the churches of Christ are the same either. Yeah, we're not saying that there are. But we're saying we're not content with that situation, and our goal is to practice uniformity in in what we believe and, and do. First uh, Corinthians four verse seventeen, Paul said, "For this cause I sent unto you Timotheus, who is my beloved son and faithful in the Lord, who shall bring you into remembrance of my ways, which be in Christ, as I teach everywhere in every church." Yeah. So Paul said, you know. He said, I went over here teaching one thing to one group and something different to different. And, he, and I wasn't saying, it's okay if you want to do that. You other guys, you can do that. He said, uh, uh, the things which, my ways which be in Christ as I teach everywhere in every church. So uh, that's the goal. That's, that's what we need to be striving for. And again, my question was, can you prove that the New Testament teaches that that's the way it ought to be? And I think that verse would go a long way to establish that. Right. Um, well, and uh, Chris in the UK responded to that question, how does the New Testament teach uniformity of belief and practice? He references Ephesians 4, verse 5, where we read one Lord, one faith, one baptism. Uh, so lots of ones there in Ephesians chapter 4. Yeah, there's actually seven right. ones in Ephesians chapter 4, beginning verse 4. And he also correctly points out that Jesus prayed for unity of mm-hmm. his followers. And and it's interesting the kind of unity that Jesus wanted us to have in John 17, verse 21, or actually backing up a couple of verses, uh, Jesus said, neither pray I for these alone. He'd just been praying for his immediate apostles. Yeah. He says, neither pray I for these alone, but for them also which shall believe on me through their word. Well, that would include us, right? Right. That they all may be one. As thou, Father, art in me, and I in thee, that they also may be one in us, that the world may believe that thou hast sent me. Notice, the kind of unity that Jesus wanted his disciples to have would be in uh, of the same nature as the unity that exists between him and the Father, which was a perfect unity, absolute harmony, not any difference or disagreements or difference in practice. They were perfectly united, and that's the goal. That's what Jesus wanted, and so I think that is a good verse that Chris suggested to show that the New Testament teaches we should have unity of practice and belief. Uh, I think it's interesting to notice there, Jesus said that when that happened, when that unity existed, notice he says that the world may believe that yeah. thou hast sent me. Yep. Well, what happens when we don't have that unity? It serves as a basis for the world to reject right. what we teach. Yeah. Oh, you Christians, you can't get along with anybody. Yeah. You're all divided. Yeah, everybody believes one, different things. It's so confusing and I'm just, I give up. I'm not even going to try to pursue that. You know, so it, it's, it's counterproductive to the goal of bringing others to the Lord. Denominationalism is counterproductive to the progress that the Lord wanted. All right. Uh, 877-381-4567. It's interesting, that prayer. We'll talk about that in a minute. I think you've got another point we want to talk about that, that prayer in more detail, but, uh, the, the scenario around that prayer and, and, and the prayer itself. Uh, are amazing and encouraging to us to think about the unity that God wants us to have. He is not pleased with this denominational uh, landscape today. We asked the uh, question, How can it be proved that the New Testament can actually condemns division? Yeah. 
And and I think that is definitely true. Oh, yeah. Lots uh, of verses. Uh, one that comes to mind quickly is 1 Corinthians chapter 1, uh, beginning verse 10. There was evidence of division within the Christians in the city of Corinth. And Paul wrote about it. He said, I beseech you, brethren, by the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that you all speak the same thing, that there be no divisions among you, but that you be perfectly joined together in the same mind and the same judgment. For it hath been declared unto me of you, my brethren, by them which are of the house of Chloe, that there are contentions among you. Now this I say, that every one of you saith, I am of Paul, and I am of Apollos, and I have Cephas, and I have Christ. Is Christ divided? Was Paul crucified for you? Or were you baptized in the name of Paul? Uh, notice he urges them to be one, perfectly joined together. And then he asks the rhetorical question, is Christ divided? And the answer to that is obviously no, Christ is not divided. Uh, and, and so clearly there Paul was div- condemning that division, but today it's supposed to be okay. We're yeah. supposed to be okay with it. Yeah. When Paul in such clear, outspoken terms condemned it. And he goes on in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 3 beginning, for you're carnal. He's not mincing any words here. Notice what he says, you're carnal, for whereas there is among you envying and strife, and notice this, divisions, are you not carnal and walk as men? For while one saith, I am of Paul, and another, I am of Apollos, are you not carnal? That he's, he's really scolding them for uh, this division, Nick. I think in Romans 16, verse 17, even, even when there is division among those who are in the churches of Christ, among those, it teaches us there to note those who cause divisions and offenses contrary to the doctrine. Notice the doctrine is singular. And, uh, you know, it's not according to the doctrines. It's not up to each individual, but it's the doctrine of Christ that we we have to be that one mind on, which I, I think, will yeah. be the truth. And those who would cause those divisions are to be marked. I think that's yeah, right. And uh, I see uh, Arthur in the chat room, and Arthur always makes the point that truth, true doctrine, there's the the, the doctrine of Christ, singular, now, there are false doctrines, plural, but when you're talking about truth, it's always doctrine. The doctrine of Christ is always singular. So I know Arthur will, will uh, chime in on that or, or certainly acknowledge that that's a, an important thing. Along those lines, Ricky in the chat room says the American Standard Version, King James Version, New King James Version, truth is always singular, never plural. Also, uh, notes Philippians chapter 1, verse 27 only let your conduct be worthy of the gospel of Christ, so that whether I come and see you or am absent, I may hear of your affairs, that you stand fast in one spirit, with one mind, striving together for the faith of the gospel. Ricky makes a, a good observation there from, from Philippians chapter 1, verse 27. The denominational scene that we have today in no way resembles Paul's instructions in Philippians chapter 1, verse 27. They'd be standing fast in one spirit with one mind, striving together for the faith of the gospel. Ricky goes on and references Philippians chapter 2, verse 2. Fulfill you my joy by being like-minded, having the same love, being of one accord, of one mind. And Ricky goes on and references 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 10, which, which you referenced already. Combat, yeah. uh, thank you, Ricky, for those good comments tonight. You know, I, I, let me suggest one more verse uh, that, that proves that division is condemned. Galatians 5, beginning verse 19, lists the works of the flesh. I'm not going to read all those, the works of the flesh. But among the works of the flesh, in the King James Version, one of those, as you read down through that list, 
wrath, strife, seditions, heresies. The word seditions in the American Standard Version is translated divisions. Divisions are a work of the flesh. Yeah. Uh, and then it goes on to say that those that do such things shall not inherit the kingdom of God. How serious is that? Yeah. If you're involved in seditions or divisions, then you will not inherit the kingdom of God. That, that, that makes it sound like it's pretty significant. All right. Uh, let us know. We'll look forward to hearing from you. You mentioned, you mentioned how can we tell that uh, division is actually contrary to the Lord's will. Well, I, I would offer uh, the, the verse we already read there in John 17, yeah, verse that, the prayer of Jesus. Yeah, that's one that's worth repeating. Jesus said that he wanted us to be one. That they may all be one, verse 21, as you, Father, are in me and I in you, that they all also may be one in us, that the world may believe that you have sent me. Jesus wants us to be unified the way he and his Father are unified. And and what's really significant about that passage is, you know, that was sort of his last words. That was his final prayer. That was prayed right before he was arrested and taken and crucified. Now, what would be on his mind? At a moment, no, but what would be on your mind, uh, yeah. uh, you know, God, just, God just would, before you die? I hope I get that promotion at work. Yeah. God, would you help, uh, help me get that promotion? Uh, maybe the yard needs mowed. I wonder about that. Yeah, you know, I, I remember hearing a story once about, a true story about a guy who committed suicide. And uh, in his suicide note, now a guy committed suicide, something, something's wrong with that guy. Right. right. He, uh, in his suicide note, he left to his wife, said, be sure to change the oil in the pickup truck. Yeah. Uh. Well, that's if you're about to die, you're not worried about the change in the oil in the pickup. You're truck. only worried about very, very uh, important, a right thinking things. person would only be worried about things that really mattered. And Jesus was concerned about his disciples right being before out. his crucifixion. He is worried that we will be unified, and we're to be unified. Well, you just do your thing; I'll do mine. You believe that uh, this is right, and I'll believe it's wrong, and that's okay. He wants us to be unified, like he and the Father are unified, perfectly unified. They're not disagreeing about infant baptism or inherited sin or uh, whether they're going to follow this creed or this council. They're perfectly unified on in truth, and that is what he wants from us as well. I think right. I think you're right. Let, let's, let's take our final break. When we get back, we're going to have to hurry to cover the seed principle and the essential nature of truth, which both prove that denominationalism is wrong. All right. You got to break it down for us. The seed principle. Let us know what you think about it. If you know, extra credit, if you know what we're talking about there in the chat room. Don't go anywhere. We'll be back right after this. Don't touch that mouse. The virtual Bible study will be back right after this. Tonight on Channel 8 WSIN. It's TV like you've never seen it before. Starting at 8, it's TV's funniest new comedy, Fornication in the City, and Marie has been misbehaving again. Guess what? I just cheated on my husband. He doesn't even know about it. (laughs) And then at 8.30, it's the show that's setting the standard. You won't want to miss this week's I Love This World, where Bob makes a great announcement. Well, I think it's time you knew the truth. I'm gay. (laughs) And at 9 o'clock. It's the show that Television Magazine has called the number one drama for murder and violence. You won't want to miss this week's In Cold Blood to see who will be the next to be gunned down. It all starts tonight at 8 o'clock on Channel 8 WSIN. 
I'm Greg Gwynn reminding you that sin is a terrible thing and that those who are entertained by watching others sin fall under the condemnation of God that is mentioned in Romans 1.28. Be careful what you watch on television because in spite of what the devil wants you to think, sin is always sin and it's never funny. We're tracking the trends on the virtual Bible study. The National Association for Shoplifting Prevention says that $13 billion worth of goods is stolen from retailers each year, which is more than $35 million per day. An estimated 27 million Americans shoplift every year, or one out of every 11 people in America shoplifts each year. More than 10 million people have been caught shoplifting in the last five years. Approximately 25% of shoplifters are kids, and 75% are adults, according to the latest statistics. 88% of adult shoplifters say they started shoplifting in their teens. That information is via the Chicago Tribune. The Word of God says in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 28, Let him that stole steal no more, but rather let him labor, working with his hands the thing which is good, that he may have to give to him that needeth. Use your internet connection for something good. Listen to the virtual Bible study every week. Now, back to the program. We're back on the program tonight, going to the top of the hour, talking about denominationalism. Clearly, what we've seen so far is it's not in accordance with what the Scriptures teach. All right, I asked the question, how does the seed principle prove that denominationalism is wrong? The seed principle I was talking about is the one that God instituted in the creation week. All right, yeah. When he said you plant a tree, plant a seed, this is Genesis 1, uh, verse 11. God said, let the earth bring forth grass, the herb yielding seed, after, and the fruit tree yielding fruit after his kind, whose seed is in itself on the earth, and it was so. And the earth brought forth grass and herb yielding seed after its kind and the tree yielding fruit whose seed was in itself after his kind. And God saw that it was good. God established a principle there. We call it the law of biogenesis. But one part of the law of biogenesis, the law of biogenesis says life comes from life and living things produce after their own kind. And so when you go out and plant your garden, Jacob, and you plant a row of beans, you don't worry that you're going to get a bunch of rutabagas coming up there instead. Yeah. Because you know that you plant that seed, it will always produce the same thing every yeah. time it's planted. Right. No rutabagas in our garden. That's right. We don't want any rutabagas. No. So uh, the idea of the seed being the Word right. of God, in Mark chapter 4, when Jesus taught the parable of the sower, we're all familiar with the parable of the sower, uh, in, in verse 20, uh, when Jesus was given the meaning of the parable of the sower, he said... Uh, the seed is the word of God. Uh, let's see. Yeah. Uh, these are they which are sown on good ground. Hear the word, receive it, bring forth fruit, some 30 fold, some 60, some 100. The seed is the word of God. I think maybe Luke's account actually says it that way. Now, what do we mean? How does the seed principle prove that denominationalism is wrong? Well, if, if we planted the same seed consistently, which is the word of God, then it it wouldn't it wouldn't produce a religious group like the Episcopalians who say we're going to conduct same sex marriages, and then produce another group who says no we think homosexuality and same sex marriage is a sin. Those are different fruits. Yeah, they're not coming from the same seed. Right. If we kept planting the same seed, which is the Word of God, then we would be united on that question. Now, what's the answer to that question? Well, we can debate the answer to that question, but we wouldn't be at different ends of the spectrum on that question if we were all planting the same seed. That's right. So that's the seed principle. Excellent. It's one seed. The the seed is the word of God, it says, and therefore 
if you plant the same seed, you ought to be getting the same crop. So if denominationalism is wrong, then you've given us the antidote for denominationalism, and that is the truth. Teach the truth, practice the truth, obey the truth, and we'll be unified perfectly in accordance with Jesus' uh, wishes. Yeah, I'm, not sure, I'm, I'm not sure that my question was understood by Chris. In I don't believe it was. Uh, he said our human fallibility and pride won't won't recognize the seed principle. I, I don't know that he got the meaning of what I was suggesting there. But okay. Uh, and then, what? How does the essential nature of truth prove that denominational is wrong? Denominationalism is wrong. Well, God's word is truth. That's what Jesus said in John chapter one, verse seventeen. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think I mean John twenty. What do I mean there? John twelve. No. John, I think I want John 17. I've got the wrong. I've got my yeah. wrong. You want yeah, John 17, 17. 17. John right. 17, yep. 17. Sanctify them through thy truth. Thy word is truth. Yep. So God's word is truth. There's only one truth. Uh, you know, we were talking about the ones of Ephesians 4. Uh, there's one body, one spirit, even as you call them, one hope you're calling, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all who's above all and through all and in you all. There's just one. There's one truth. God's word is truth. It's unchangeable. We're not to add to it or take from it. It's the truth once delivered, Jude verse 3, once for all time delivered to the saints, Jude verse 3. Uh, so if there's just one truth and we're all following one truth, then we wouldn't, again, end up at different conclusions. We wouldn't end up at different places in regards to what we believe and practice. Right. So the essential nature of truth, for instance... Mathematical truth: two yes. plus two equals four, and it has to be so. Yeah. If we're going to have, if we're going to be able to conduct business, uh, engage in commerce, we have to agree upon mathematical truth: two plus two equals four. Yeah, that's amazing. Nobody would come. Nobody would approach anything besides religion the way that people are willing to approach religion. No one would say, well, you just believe what you, you want to believe. You have your truth, and I have my truth. Yeah. No, we can't. If it's truth, then you don't have something different than me. We yeah. have one yeah. truth. There's only one truth. Yeah, but we wouldn't We wouldn't allow for it in in the legal matters of the state. We wouldn't allow for it in commerce. We wouldn't allow for it in your, your banker. Has my, neighbor, my neighbor starts building a house, and he's, he's 20 feet over on my on my side of the property line. And I go to him and say, hey, hey, wait, wait, wait. Before you go any further, you, do you realize that you're building your house on my side of the property? Well, you have your truth and I have mine. Yeah. We, we, we wouldn't do that. Yeah. But in religion, you actually hear that expression. Yeah. You have your truth, I have my truth. Or how about your banker has that approach? You give him $1,000 and you go and get, get to, to make a withdrawal and he says, you've only got $5 in your account. You say, no, I gave you 1000 He said, well, that's not the way I do my math. Yeah. You do your math, I'll you, do mine. You have your truth. We're all mine. doing different math, but it's leading to the same place. I mean, we, yeah, like we, you we, said, it's, it's just ridiculous that for some reason in religion, though, that that's accepted. It's yeah. not logical. It doesn't make sense. No, it doesn't not. work. And so that's what I meant by the truth principle. The truth, the, the essential nature of truth means that division is wrong. All right. Uh, Chris in UK says, yes, but are you sure everything you hold is true? Uh, no. 
That's why we have we, the virtual Bible. That's study. why we study in general, right? Including the virtual Bible studies, because we 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 keep searching to to make to get closer and closer to the truth of God's word. We want to understand it as accurately as we possibly can. Are we flawless? Obviously not. But that doesn't mean we just throw it out and say it doesn't matter, right? You know that's I, I mean, that's what I'm afraid that happens in the religious world. Is people just say, "Well, it doesn't matter. Just do whatever you want." No, it does matter. And we're not saying we've got it perfectly ironed out. But we're saying that's our goal, and that's what we should be striving for. All right. We've got time for your comments if you make it fast. Rick in the chat room says, No one would say a corn stalk in the middle of a soybean field came from a soybean seed. All would recognize this. We would understand that the corn stalk came from a seed from a corn being mixed in with the soybean seeds. When the, when the creed is mixed in with the good seed of the word of God, it will always produce something other than the original seed. This is the essence of denominationalism. Thank you, Rick, for that comment. Uh, Rick got my point. Rick got the seed principle. He he's he's, he's <laughs> yeah. smelling what you're cooking on yeah, that. that. Yeah, he, he's picking up what I'm putting down. That's right. Yeah, that's this right. spring, I, I, I just knew I planted cantaloupes on a row, a whole row, and and cucumbers came up. Oh, man. And uh, I had to... Who, I had whose, to whose fault was that, that was, Rick? That was Nick? my fault. That's right, uh, your fault. I went out there and I knew I had to pull those up and plant cantaloupe yeah. seed. And it really be cantaloupe seed, not what I thought was cantaloupe seed. Exactly right. That's that, that's exactly. But, but if true. we're if as as Rick alludes to here, if we're uh, Nick, if we're if we've got if we're intermixing creeds of men, we will never be unified. Never. You cannot follow the Baptist creed, and I follow the Methodist creed, and, and us be in, in unity. We can't that, do it. That single doctrine of Christ is the only thing that will get anyone to heaven. I am the way, so it has to be the mind of Christ, the doctrine of the Christ. Way, the way. And doctrine. our mind has to be on the rules that he set forth. Yeah. So when we argue about anything, it's because uh, we, we, we're we not together on the mind of Christ. Once we get together on the mind of Christ, then, then we're not going to be at odds. And, 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 we've got, and, and that's got to be our goal. Again, yes. I'm not saying that we're perfect in that, right. but... We got to have that as our ambition and our desire and our and our pursuit, and we can't just blow it off and say it doesn't matter. You do your thing, I'll do mine. You got your truth, I got mine. We can't do that. That's what we're really stressing here. We we finally asked the question: Can you prove that there's really just one true church? You can do this in thirty seconds. Okay, let me do it real quick. Ephesians four verse four. We read that already. Ephesians four verse four. Among the things of which Paul said, there's only one. He said, there's just one body. So there's just one body. In the same epistle earlier, Ephesians 1, verses 22 and verse 23, God hath put all things under Jesus' feet, gave him to be head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him that filleth all in all. There's one church, there's one body, and the body is the church, therefore there's just one church. That's what the scriptures teach. That's what the scriptures teach, and that's what we've got to be striving for. We cannot be content with the religious division. Uh, Steve in Texas uh, asked a question. We're just all but out of time. But Steve asked the question, uh, how do we show? He says, um, if someone is part of a denomination and they say, no, we're non-denominational, that's bogus. I would like to know how to get those who are part of a denomination to actually see they are part of a denomination in five minutes or less. Most of the time you don't have the time to talk to them and show them the script, all the scripture says. Uh, well, I think the first thing, Steve, I, I think the first thing would be what we were just saying. You've got to get them to see that if we're different, we're not united. We are denominated. We are divided. If we are not teaching and practicing the same things, then there is division. That's what denominationalism is. And so you can say you're non-denominational, but if you're not following the scriptures, and if you're teaching opposing and contradictory doctrines, then you are 
you are a denomination. And, and so what we've got to get everybody to do is have the, the goal or the desire of unity, true unity based upon the singular truth of the Word of God. I want a couple of questions I can think of. I'd have to ask them, are they following any creeds? Do they have any kind of creed that they're following? If so, and it's different from the Bible, then that by definition would be denomination. Are they a part of any man-made organization? Yeah. A man-made organization is, by definition, going to lead to denominations because they're going to be going in different directions. Some of those groups might be independent groups. We understand yeah. that. But, again, what is their what is their doctrine? Yeah. What do they teach? All right. Uh, Chris in UK said, uh, there, there are issues that are debatable but do not condemn you. Do all churches of Christ believe the same thing? What about those who stick united, like United Church of Christ before? Surely they're different. We're not saying all churches of Christ are the same, but what we are saying is we're not content with division, and we want to all be the same, and we believe the only way to be the same is to go back to the Word of God. All right. Well, good discussion tonight, a quick discussion, but uh, one that's beneficial. Denominations are obviously not pleasing to God. The only way that we can be united and not be divided or, or denominated is by following the ultimate standard of God's word, and that and that alone, and that's the cure and the antidote for the division we see in the world today. Yeah, Rick in the chat room, final thought, says, without exception, every, test, every passage in the New Testament that speaks of the church in the universal sense, which means all those saved by obedience to the gospel, speaks of it in a singular sense, the church. Singular. Yeah. All right. Well, just one. Just one. Good discussion tonight, and uh, appreciate it. Nick, uh, thank you for being here. And- Helping out with the discussion. I enjoyed being with you. Dad, thank you for your time. Thanks, Jacob. And we hope you benefited from our study and discussion of God's Word. If you have any questions, we encourage you to contact us at any time. Questions at collegeview.com. Make plans to be back here this time next week for another edition of the Virtual Bible Study. And in the meantime, we encourage you to put God first in your life, study His inspired Word of the Bible, and live by it every day. You'll never regret it. Thanks for listening to the Virtual Bible Study, brought to you by the College View Church of Christ. The College View Church of Christ meets at 1618 Hampshire Pike in Columbia, Tennessee. If you are in the Columbia, Tennessee area, we encourage you to worship with the College View Church of Christ on Sunday mornings at 9.30 and on Sunday evenings at 6 o'clock. The College View Church of Christ also welcomes you to attend their Wednesday night Bible studies at 7 o'clock. If you have any questions about something that was said on tonight's broadcast or would like more information about the College View Church of Christ, please call 931-381-4567. That number again, 931-381-4567. Or for more information on the internet, visit collegeview.com. Be sure to tune into the virtual Bible study this time next Thursday for another informative study of God's Word.